you know, it was, it was the same sort of thing as, like, Dave Chappelle. I did not watch Dave Chappelle because my first awareness of him was people saying, I'm Rick James, bitch, and all this shit out, frat boy shit. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. And so I didn't give a fuck, and I didn't care. And then eventually I watched, and years later, I'm like, I really missed out on some amazing stuff. Like, some yeah. amazing sketches. Same thing with, like, there's some really great bits on that. On any piece of well-produced comedy, there's always something I can appreciate, even if I didn't, you know... I, and I try not to look down on it. I'm not as much of a comedy snob as I was, you know. Right. You know, in my early 20s, I think. Yeah, early 20s. You and I might have that in common. Yeah, yeah. It's what it's it's. A th- but that's how you get taste, I think, is you like, you know, you try. You, you're you're intentionally ignorant. <laughs> it's this weird thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, no, no, no. I don't want to know about that because it sounds like something I would hate. Yeah, I would just recently like Patton has a thing on. Maybe I don't know if it's on a record. If I saw him say it live, but he was just like, yeah. In his 20s, he'd have no problem telling you you were an idiot to your face for liking something. And now mm-hmm. he's like, uh, um, whatever you like is fine. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. Like, Do you know Mike Doty from Soul Coffee? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. another one where he's like, somebody asked him, like, what do you think of the new Radiohead album? This is years ago. And mm-hmm. he was like, I don't have it. Their music is great, but it depresses me. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually am right now, I'm listening to a lot of just top 40 stuff because it's peppy and happy so and fun. and i don't have to think about it and i don't have to feel anything about it i can just sort of have this upbeat music and yeah. like, it's such a it's such a weird thing to think about but i do think as you get older you kind of like you're more tolerant of like i mean i don't seek out any of this stuff right. but i'm certainly now not going to be like you're dumb you right, like right, that you're dumb of course yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 hard i yeah, it's so fucking subjective. It's just, it, I think it also comes from educating yourself in comedy, or at least what you think is educating yourself in comedy, teaching yourself, trying to give yourself standards, and at that point, if something doesn't fall, fall doesn't come to those standards, I'm not speaking English right now. <laughs> what I'm going to do is start the podcast officially, even though we've been recording. Oh, let's do it. Mark McConville's here. Hi. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Um, in case people out there don't know, super ego. Uh, you yeah. edit, how many podcast? How many podcasts do you? I know you do Judge John Hodgman. How many? I edit John Hodgman's yep. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of my favorites. I just uploaded episode one seventy. One seventy. But I have not. Uh, Matt Gorley from Superigo used to edit the show. Okay. And I, he, it was just too much. He had too much on his plate, yeah. and he kind of handed it off to me. So that was like hundred and thirty episodes. Like I think he did about forty. Damn. And I've just been doing it ever since. That's crazy. And it's a cool. It's a cool little thing, and John's great. Everybody involved with that thing is really fun, and yeah. it's I'm, just every week it's a different, weird mm-hmm. <laughs> argument. And John actually is like, John's one of the wisest people. Like I, I think know. he really does listen to everything they say, mm-hmm. and I cut some, sure, but mostly it's it's what you hear. Uh, you know, I'm cutting maybe ten to twenty, maybe thirty percent, depending on yeah, the episode, okay. but most of it's really good insight and he's really trying to get to the bottom of yeah. these things that people have so are you dealing with syncing at all is that something you have to deal with on that i'm sorry yeah. we're getting a technical podcast shit for no reason that's I'm okay because i cut a podcast using skype and shit and i hate doing it. it's my least favorite thing yeah it's been that's a challenge skype has been both great and terrible like this last this one that's about it just came out today mm-hmm. uh the two people on it are from perth uh-huh. In Western Australia, uh-huh. and I like, in my mind, I was like, "Oh, it must be because it had to travel such a far distance that uh-huh. the audio quality was so bad." Oh but, no! Uh, yeah, the it's it's very strange how, you know, the, using Skype that you could hear it 
you could hear almost I don't know how to describe it like decay yeah or yeah yeah just it was very tinny audio and you I know, also we did made... what we could to try to tweak it mm-hmm. the producer and and her team were like let me try to tweak it too just to get it better and it, it does sound pretty good but yeah Skype creates these sound issues that are like oh boy and I made the dumbass mistake early on my buddy in Idaho is recording his on a WAV file and my computer's recording the Skype feed as an MP3 and I'm recording so nothing syncs up nothing times yeah the best know? thing we've found and you know John is in Brooklyn most of the time mm-hmm. and Jesse Thorne who who produces and, and uh, is the bailiff on the show mm-hmm. is in LA yeah friend and John John's in his John's in his office mm-hmm. but Jesse's in like a legit studio the Maximum Fun oh, studio so nice is really nice and then who knows where the maniacs who call into the show are? Uh, no, they're always like they're in a bed, a bedroom, or they're in an office, or whatever it is. But it's never, you know. And Julia Smith produces the show, and she's the one who has to kind of talk people through, like, oh right, let's get a head. If you have a headphone mic, please don't move around and touch it because yeah. any tiny little sound can, it'll be on the track, yeah. and it's hard to cut around it, but. For the most part, that stuff is really kind of smoothed out. That's good. I think people are more comfortable. Also, too, like people, you can talk right into a laptop and get a decent, yeah, enough sound. Yeah. So, yeah, we've had some good luck, but like we're always trying to create, like, get it, get a better sound out of that element that we can't control. Sure. People calling from their houses. Yeah. You know, planes will go by, dogs in the background, <laughs> all that stuff. It's, you know, it's life. So you can't really. It's, yeah, we'll. We'll fix it eventually, right. but you know, it's it's uh, it's been a really 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 fun project too. I should probably tell people also what album we're here to talk about. Like I totally fucking sidetracked. No, it's Ooh, all right. I, I de- derailed the whole goddamn thing. Um, <laughs> I I picked. No, you picked. I picked. You picked. Oh yeah, I'm I picked. So it. glad you picked this. The Spinal Tap soundtrack, which by the way, I mean, best. Well, wow, that's ever. that's good looking. Right they there. did the Black album before. I think anybody. And if I, I could be wrong, but I don't care because it's it's so. I don't know if you've seen the vinyl. I don't think I have ever seen it. It's fantastic. It's not. Oh, it's how much more black could it be? The answer is none more none, black. None more black, exactly. Uh, it's so fucking good. Oh wow. Yeah, all the all the fake album covers on the inside. I love Intravenous to Milo. That's one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie. <laughs> it's gorgeous. That dude. thing with Shark Sandwich too. But like Brain Ham, I'm looking at the. <laughs> Do you have a Do you have a way to post these images? I should actually. Yeah, I don't think you should they're... post Brain Hammer. I've never even <laughs> seen that before. That's really funny. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I I'm embarrassed to say I have no idea who did the art for them, but it, it's it's attention to detail. I think is is the the it's a it's a cornerstone to everything Christopher Guest does. You know. Yeah, I mean, for me, this movie is. You know, I know people love. Waiting for Guffman, mm-hmm. and I love it too. But man, Spinal Tap is Christopher Guest and that group's mm-hmm. best. Oh yeah, it will always be the best for me. Well, it's it's going to be. I mean, there's not only is there uh, were they master improvisers, but they like they have youth energy, and it's about youth music. But it's also about a bunch of guys who are falling apart already at twenty something. You know? Right? Yeah. The evolution is something that is really interesting. Like the the whole album. Like, listen, I've been listening to it today, and mm-hmm. I listened to it. You know, a little while ago too, to just try to refresh, and but I didn't watch the movie again because I kind of wanted to remember, like, yeah, does like the film does those documentary flashbacks of mm-hmm. like, give me some money and flower people <laughs> are all like, this is what what it was like getting to where we are now, right? 
just the fact that they took the time to write those songs and have them be these like genre parodies and era parodies almost is really really cool you know what's funny too is uh have you seen a mighty wind yes they do a song that's almost identical <laughs> to one of their, their the the flower power songs on this yeah they it, they have flower people on here and on mighty wind they have uh, i can't remember the name of it but uh it, i can't remember also, it either but i know exactly the same what thing about. but it's also funnier because they're clearly 60 and pretending to be 20 which right. is you know it's a totally new thing that they get to play with um Man, so when did you first see? Or, well, did you hear it first or see it first? I'm assuming see it, saw it first. I definitely saw it okay. first. I yeah, had to imagine, I right. probably saw it my sophomore year of high school. Okay, yeah. And I was a heavy metal kid, so okay. like, it 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 seemed like somehow someone had made this yeah. film that was perfect for me. Like I was like, how did? Are they reading my mind? Like right. what? How how did they get in my brain? Did you were you aware that you were ready to laugh at something you loved? Like metal because I mean some people you know it's a serious thing for some people sometimes it takes a, a bit yeah uh, I totally was ready I mean yeah. it, it, it it's just the perfect marriage of what I was into back when I was you know 15 16 years old it's yeah. like loud guitars and drums mm-hmm. and I also loved comedy so yeah. like I probably like I remember seeing this movie with a very good friend of mine from high school Brian Brian Buser hello Brian hi Brian uh but then, yeah, I, I think, like, within the same week, we also discovered Beavis and Butthead. Really? <laughs> That's awesome. And, okay. you know, we weren't, we were, you know, I'm a humble dude, but I'm a smart guy, too. So we're watching Beavis and Butthead going, like, he's so smart mm-hmm. about how he's making fun of this stuff. Yeah. And I think the Spinal Tap, the film and the music, both, they're so smart in how they're dumb. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, absolutely. But there's these, like, lyrical twists in these in these songs oh that are just... God. Uh, there are some lyrics that I had forgotten. <laughs> yeah, and they come out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like the the rock and roll creation on this album <laughs> mm-hmm. is this really? It's like a conceptual song about uh-huh. like rock and roll being a god. But then there's a I think there's a dick joke in the first verse, like yep. very subtly slid in there. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Like they they're doing these like this high concept rock that some pretentious metal band would do. Yeah, 
Yeah. But then, of course, they just slip in a little joke there, uh-huh. and they're just so good at that. To somebody like me who's, and I, I, we've done a lot of musical comedy the last few weeks, and I've had to admit that I'm musically fairly ignorant. I've got some stuff that I like, but like, to me, this is amazingly well-produced and well-played to you, who's also a musician. Yeah, yeah. How, I mean, it's got to hold up, right? I like, love, I love, uh, there's one complaint I have, which okay. is, I guess, a little ironic, which is... Some of the guitar tone is really tinny. Okay. Like I and I like I'm such a nerd about it. It's mm-hmm. Nigel. It's Christopher Guest's solos are all like, okay. the guitar tone is really trebly to me. Uh huh. But then I think like it might be intentional because a sure. lot of the s- guitar solos from the late seventies, early eighties heavy metal. Yeah. Are are really tinny and these guys, you know, like some of those early Black Sabbath albums. I feel like they were making them for a hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Right. And so they just used what they had and got the best sound they could out of it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's intentional, but there's sure. part of me that goes like, man, you couldn't have. <laughs> if I had one complaint about it. Otherwise, it totally holds up. I've yeah. been listening into it all day today and just like put a, just puts a huge smile on my face. The other weird irony, and I don't mean to just keep bringing up a mighty wind, but like if you compare the two of them is that with all the technology they had in 2002 2003 to make a mighty wind all of it sounds too clean this is still using you know shit that was tubes and and, and stuff and that yeah. sounds just raw and why it sounds great on vinyl too but like they, you don't have they didn't they weren't having to try so hard i don't think to recreate an older sound because it was what 15 years before that they were Yeah i mean i guess in that with that rationale this album was probably Cut as cutting edge as any other heavy sure. metal music that was coming out at the time. Right, right. And what? I'm sorry, but what year was it? I think it came uh, out eighty three. If I had to guess, that sounds right. I think the movie came out in eighty three. Sounds right. Why does it not say here? Well, it's not going to say because it's here. the black this album. Is, oh, okay. So, well, the album's eighty four. So, okay. the, the the movie was either eighty three or eighty four then. Um, but God, Jesus. And then this image is just fantastic this, this the leopard band. print oh my god which drummer is that see I can never remember how many drummers are there in the oh they movie? just keep going uh, Ed, Ed Begley's probably my favorite um, yeah but then he's always funny um, so do you have a favorite track on the album is the next question I, you know I, I figured you'd ask so of I made course. I listened and I made little notes alright good but uh, I really think Give Me Some Money is my favorite oh, song oh it's so good yeah and it's not it's the least metal of all yeah. of the songs, but mm-hmm. it's just so funny. Yeah, it's kind of stonesy ish, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe like, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, that, if only in blues. the vocals, I'm going off the vocals in that, I guess. There's I that again, light, I'm light blues feeling to mm-hmm. it, and it just, yeah, it feels like '60s Brit pop, and but God, the lyrics kill me. That first stanza is, stop wasting my time. You know what I want. You know what I need. Or maybe you don't. (laughs) It's so stupid. That's what I mean about, like, they're so good at being so stupid. Yeah. Which I just think is the key to this stuff. And they never, ever, ever wink about it. It's just earnest. You know, I really feel like they tried to make an earnest album. Yeah. Knowing that it was funny like there's some it's very weird listening to this and not knowing and i'm sure there's a way to find out but i don't know if they wrote these songs for the movie right if they wrote the script and went hey since we're gonna have this these flashbacks to when they were oh yeah yeah, yeah. these you know short-haired you know pop 
guys. Right. Like, we need a song for that. Sure, sure, sure. Or if that was just a thing that these guys were always singing, or, and they were like, oh, we could fit that into the it's movie. true, yeah. There's a lot of that on the album where I just go, like, Stonehenge, to me, is a song that they wrote <laughs> so they could do that scene of in the movie. Of course. And uh, oh Rock and Roll God. Creation is another one with the pods, <laughs> where they're, they're getting in and out of those alien pods, and Harry Shearer gets, gets stuck. And it's like, yeah, they needed a song that could fill that space. But mm-hmm. then a few of the tracks, there's one song on this album that's not in the movie at all. Which one is it? It's America. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's briefly in the movie. Yeah, but not long enough to identify. Yeah, right? yeah. you wouldn't even know what it is. And that's there's a couple funny. that are just like, give me some money. You just hear one. You hear the first verse and that's it. But they it's wrote two more verses and a guitar solo. and uh, Just to commit to the whole piece is what's perfect about yeah. it. You know? And I, I that may I, which might have contributed to the feel of the movie too because I I don't know how much I mean I'm assuming that you know they have all the songs to work off of and they get to cut it so it is much more like a documentary that way but it does the the, the tease of that that there's a whole song behind this thing that you you know that you, you might not if you didn't buy the soundtrack you were so missing out yeah you know well I know too uh, I went to school in Madison University of Wisconsin uh-huh. is it I don't know if it's still there. I hope it's still there. There's mm-hmm. a great video store called Four Star Video Heaven. Okay. And it, they just, you know, people, I don't know that any, like, major chain ever survived in on campus uh-huh. in Madison because Four Star had everything. That's awesome. Foreign films, documentaries, like, wow. stuff you'd never heard of. The staff was super knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. If you liked a certain director, they could go like, oh, yeah, here's ten there movies. There you go. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and they had a raw unedited four and a half hour version or something like that that was always checked what? out it, i never saw it what? i was never able to get it how the fuck is that even possible but they that's this is the kind of stuff that they had and i remember always oh. every time i went i would check and i think somebody just stole it yeah of course of course but i've did. seen some deleted scenes yeah yeah uh, uh, so i know you know there's it's possible that that song has life in mm-hmm. in a cut of the film yeah that didn't make the final cut right um but yeah, like that. That you're right. The attention to detail in the songs helped that movie it's a, ridiculous. A ton. The, the other thing too is, I, I it's uh, it, it's a it's a an additional layer to how the whole thing works, and it's one of those things where I feel like there are a lot of people, and I will count myself at one point to have been among them, who thought it would be easy to make an improv movie. Okay, all right. I count myself. I finished the movie, okay, but I finished it to finish it. And it's one of those things where you think you can do it when you, but you have to realize. Watch this, listen to the album, and then just look at the layers and realize how much fucking work was put into this. Not to say nothing of how many years of comedy experience they had before the movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like just the the sheer fact that they would put all this attention to all this work into it, make you know. And I'm sure, like there there's some other. Um, have you seen the Ruddles? Or heard the Ruddles? I've only seen parts of it. Okay. I've never... Honestly, for mm-hmm. me, like, I'm sure it's great. Sure. There's a little bit of me that's like, I love Spinal Tap, so why would of, I watch any other rock mockumentary? No, of course. But I'm sure I it's fantastic. It, it is, but it's the Monty Python version of this, so it's so... It's not Monty Python, it's Eric Idle, so it's just amped. You know, it is yeah. wink, wink, wink. It's just really well-produced shit. And right. for listening to that, I think I'm... I'm not going out on a limb, I don't think, to think they used... You know, vintage 
equipment and stuff. Oh, the gear is like all they the did same. for Walk Hard, which a lot of people hate that movie, but it's got some of the best fucking recreated music, and they use vintage amps and shit. Yeah, you do know? you? Uh, that's funny that you say that. Do you know? Uh, did you see Get Him to the Greek? No, I haven't seen. Just it. thinking of other movies because uh, uh-huh. do you know? Do you know Dan Byrne? I don't. It's a friend of mine. He okay. did. He wrote some songs for Walk Hard. Yeah. And he wrote some songs for. I, I love that movie in the movie. I love it too. I, I just know a lot of people fan. who shit on it. I just so I just had to I had to append it just to listen just in case you hate it. But I love it. I think it's a really fun, like obviously, just dumb romp mm-hmm. about a fake, mu- like it's yeah. you know it's just a send up of, uh, of all of that sort of Americana with yeah, but like lovingly done. Mm-hmm. And again, like. A ton of vintage equipment and shit used to make it sound legit. Yeah. So it didn't sound crisp and clean. Which yeah. Would kill it. You know. Exactly. And that's another thing too is like part of the joke is look how much for that for Walk Hard is look at all the work we put into this and also he's playing a twelve year old and he's clearly forty. You know that's you know. Whereas <laughs> yeah. this, where this depends. I mean that's the other th- the big difference is this depends on a on a believable a level of reality that you have to buy into even if you know it's a joke. Which is yeah. so hard to... And I, if memory serves, when I first saw the movie, I don't know... I think it was... I think Brian was fucking with me, and he was like, this is a documentary <laughs> about a British band. And so at first I was like, this is oh. too funny to be real. Yeah. And then I think he was like, oh, yeah, it's a joke. It's a comedy. That's great, though. That's a hell of a way to experience it, first off. I yeah, I mean, if you... Honestly, though, if you didn't know, and you're just like, here's a documentary... Mm-hmm. It, you might buy it. I, I doubt it. <laughs> it may, I don't know for how long, but still, for you, it's certainly done with the seriousness and earnestness of a real documentary. Right? I mean, I don't know another fake documentary that predates it. Well, there, there, there must are, be some. There are, yeah. I, Woody Allen's is the earliest I know. I know that Take the Money and Run, which is like 62, something like that. Wow, okay. It's fucking great. It's wonderful. It's the kind of Woody Allen I like, which is to say I don't like a lot of his more recent stuff. But I love that movie, which people can judge me on that all they want. But it's a great <laughs> movie. It's a wonderful movie. It's a, it, But, uh, I mean, but it, this is easily the one that made it a thing I, you know what I'm saying like even I think the Ruddles is even before this but this again it's a thing now this, this be, you could make fake documentaries it would be a huge success yeah I mean it kind of made Rob Reiner more than what Rob Reiner was before which sure. was Meathead yeah. uh, Christopher Guest became a name and he ends up again doing the, a series of these maybe to his own chagrin I don't know how happy he is that that's what he kept doing But I don't know either it's a weird thing because you'd think you know, like, it's not really, 
it didn't make anybody a star necessarily. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Michael McKeon's probably biggest moment was Lenny and Squiggy. Like that's when he was most famous, I think. Sure. You and know, like, didn't oddly. if this came out in '84, Christopher Guest mm-hmm. joined SNL around '86. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. So okay. based off the strength of this, he probably became, you know, got to the SNL cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Shearer's always worked. Like the guy. That's yeah. the thing about that I really kind of admire about all these guys mm-hmm. is like they've had these spotlight moments too but like they've always been cranking out something oh yeah and harry shearer i mean people don't even realize that guy's been working since he was like five or six he was in the first wide cinemascope movie ever oh really a very small part in the robe first (laughs) cinemascope movie he was like five or something wow yeah uh so yeah they're they're, but that's the weird thing is that these guys but he's an snl guy too yeah i mean yeah i think so well he's in the he's in the synchronized swimming sketch that i love with martin short so that i think that's 85 yeah, that's it might be right after this movie mm-hmm. came out. So yeah, uh, and I, I and I honestly, the weird thing is, I, I talked a couple weeks ago when we did the hundredth episode about the first time I ever saw Monty Python was way too late to have seen it for uh, Holy Grail to, see, to have seen it first. Sure, same night at this Unitarian church, basement of a Unitarian church. Wow. These kids wanted to watch that and this, and I I literally saw half of that and half of this and just totally fucking missed out and eventually had to rediscover and see what I was missing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a weird... You know, uh, yeah, it's, it was a... Yeah, I don't know. That's just a little personal story in case you wanted that. Oh, the lyrics are in here too on the inside. Oh, is, funny. Which is perfect. And there's one line that I had never heard before today. I have to find it. Uh, oh, tonight I'm gonna rock ya. I had, for, I had never <laughs> heard the line and you've still got your baby teeth. Still got your baby Holy teeth. Holy fuck, I had never... And I, I feel like I should actually send you a copy of an album that my cousins made in 89, a very well-produced album, hair rock, hair metal. Yeah. Where there's, there's just, it just, this rings too true. Even though it's five years later, it rings way too true. So the kind of, <laughs> I think that's why it works, is because, like, they've got this mentality down that I can't relate to. But, I mean, right. were you playing metal? Yeah, I mean, somewhat. Mm. I mean, I just, I was like, I play guitar from about age... 13 or 14 okay. I still play sure but my tastes have certainly <laughs> gotten gotten away from metal I still really like it from time to time but mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not still you know it's more nostalgic than anything else sure was but yeah like that when I went through today and just kind of went like all right what's which one's which like mm-hmm. there's tonight you're gonna rock tonight we're gonna rock it mm-hmm. has almost has that like ACDC feel of yeah like, yeah we're an awesome band. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to fuck you. <laughs> we have to play a show. Like, that's... So good. And, like, I... I, But I was trying to think, like, well, what other band writes songs like this? And it's like, well, kind of ACDC. Sure, sure. But I couldn't really think of any, like, maybe Kiss? But mm-hmm. this is... I guess it's not pre-Kiss. It's still... Kiss is, you know, oh, 75. Yeah. Right. So, ish. Yeah. But there's this wonderful pastiche of like, so again, easily identifiable. Even if you don't know what who it is, it's it's like no, I've heard this. Yeah, and like Big Bottom and Sex Farm both <laughs> are really funny to me and just like the grossest. Uh huh. Uh-huh. They're so Sex Farm is gross. Yeah, it's like I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm plowing through your bean field, <laughs> spraying down your barn door. Have you? Okay. It's straight up gross. That makes me then think again about Mighty Wind. Have you heard the soundtrack? Yeah, I love oh, that. Okay, I love that so too. Okay, so that the blood on the coal is 
equally disgusting, just a little more symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, holy fuck, that's just what that makes me think of. Uh, I laughed. I, I again, I had to listen to this at my day job, but I I laughed quite audibly at one point, and I was surprised because when I was listening to Stonehenge, I had never really noticed and paid close attention to. Um, there's the bit where obviously I'm imagining a, a little person coming out and dancing. Right. But I had forgotten it switches gears to the, that that kind of music, but then all of a sudden switches gears to almost carnival esque. Like just it gets away. It's just no, no longer metal for a few minutes there, and it's just like I had forgotten they had done that. Like, yeah, it, it uh, switches gears. Uh, it has a. Uh, it's obviously just like a showstopper for the film, mm-hmm. but. It also, to me, like, I like to, when I was listening to these songs, it was like, all right, which ones were the ones that, like, got these guys to a famous level fictionally? Yeah, yeah. And which ones were sort of, like, the bloated experiments? <laughs> and I feel like, almost like Rush. Yeah. Have you have you seen that Rush documentary? Uh-uh. It's fantastic. Really? Okay, what's it called? Uh, I can't remember. I'll look it up. It. I, it's I, maybe I Beyond that. the Lighted Stage. Okay. Sounds about it, right. I think it's the only Rush documentary. Okay. It was on Apple TV. It's Okay. But it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And they talk about, like, Geddy Lee at one point wanted to uh, add a bunch of keyboards, and the other guys in the band <laughs> were so nice about it. They both were like, I don't think I want to do that. And, like, both both Alex, Alex Lifesitting and Neil Peart were like, N- I don't really want to have keyboards in the band. But if you feel so passionate about it that you want to do it, mm-hmm. I'll do it. Yeah. We'll do it. Let's do it. And if it doesn't work, we'll go to a new direction. I almost imagine Spinal Tap, somebody in that band was like, I- I've been playing D&D. Right. Yeah. For... for for nine years, mm-hmm. and I finally feel confident, confident enough that I want to write a fucking straight up dragon slaying <laughs> fantasy song. Uh-huh. It's so weird because, mm-hmm. like, so many of the songs are like Sex Farm, like I said, Sex Farm, Big Bottom <sighs> are just about getting with it. Mm-hmm. But then you got Stonehenge, which is so not. It's mm-hmm. so like, okay, now we're going to get serious. Yeah. We're going to talk about. <laughs> the dragon's face and the moon. Oh my God, oh. Is, are there other uh, bands? Because the first thing I think of is is Led Zeppelin. But are there other bands that had those fantasy elements that I'm that I'm just unaware of? Because uh, I'm just curious. That's the first thing that pops into my head. Yeah, I think Zeppelin is kind of the. I mean, but I don't even think of them about Gollum at one point. Do they not? Yeah, and I yeah. think the. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they make a, a. There's some there's some heavy Lord of the Rings shit in in their yeah. stuff for sure. <laughs> Uh, God, I'm trying to think. Like Jethro Tull's got to have. Okay. I'm not a. I'm not well versed in their stuff at all. But mm-hmm. I, like, I automatically think of that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, Rush has some real. Yeah. Out there <laughs> lyrically stuff. So so much so that at times I'm always like, yeah, okay. Can you guys just play some rock music and not, not <laughs> like I appreciate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't, we don't need to talk about. What do you think the comedy equivalent of doing that is? Music is so... I mean, again, you, you get big, but you want to experiment. You want to try something different. I'm curious. Is it just spouting opinions? Is that the thing that's... For, sim- for comic? For, oh, oh, comic. for comic established. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think it might even be doing, like, drama. Just saying, yeah. I'm going to go and do a serious project. I'm okay. going to do a serious film, or I'm going to take a, you know... 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. But that's not... I don't even think that that's that risky. Right. No, it's not. Not nearly as risky as 30 It might be doing music. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, like, most comedians want to be rock stars, and most rock stars right. want to be comedians. Right. So uh, maybe it is just, like... Like, a good example... I don't know why I just thought of this, but, like, Rick Moranis... Yeah. ...is straight up doing music he's now. done he's done he's like, i'm not gonna else. do acting i'm not so interested weird. i just want to play with my band and it's like well that's good I, you I, probably I, can afford to do that of, of so course sure go ahead <clears throat> uh yeah i don't know if it's like a material thing mm-hmm. it might be oh it might be just like oh, i'm gonna throw away everything yeah and write a new half hour right of material it yeah, might be yeah. that it just like because i mean like I, the first thing that pops into my head is lenny bruce reading court transcripts and uh-huh. you know what I mean, and just like I'm no longer telling jokes. Here's my experiment. But I don't know if that was an experiment or desperation. Actually, I guess yeah. it's different. Yeah. So you're probably right. I, I guess, guess too. Another like a another example of like like Anthony Jeselnik has such a style to him. The mm-hmm. way is it's just these like really just one liners. Mm-hmm. They're pretty racy. Yeah. If he just did a half an hour of really personal conversational yeah, stand up that's true that might be a real departure mm-hmm. like that kind of departure would be something that would make me take notice for yeah. sure I'm yeah, sitting like, down on a stool and saying let's get real would be very uncomfortable right at least at first and maybe you wouldn't maybe want to do that at all <laughs> right yeah Most comics, I think, at least comics who want to keep working, tend to not do those kinds of things. Yes, yeah. It yeah. takes a really special person to go like, well, I'm just going <laughs> to totally change gears. Like Mitch Hedberg switching into like mm-hmm. serious conversational, observational uh-huh. comedy. I just That's another one where you go like, well, it'd be a real experiment. It certainly would. Um, do you... Okay... Did you know in the beginning that this was an improvised movie? How much, how much, how aware were you of improv as a thing? When I first saw this movie, Mm -hmm. I probably, I mean, I watched a ton of Whose Line Is It Anyway as a kid. Yeah. I'm the oldest of three boys and Mm -hmm. my summer job was taking care of my brothers. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, But a lot, we watched a ton of comedy Channel, I think it was either Ha or it wasn't even Comedy Central yet. Yeah, it went through a couple iterations, and like that was kind of our. We had like a TV rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd ride bikes or do whatever, but a lot of the time it was like we have our sort of like daytime TV thing. And I remember, I think there was like four episodes of Who's Line mm-hmm. from like noon to two. Okay, for, yeah. For one summer, I just remember us like just 
we didn't care if they were repeats. <laughs> so I knew about it, you sure. know, from from a fair like early teens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I don't know that I thought too much about this being an improvised movie though. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It almost didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. But now looking at it, I'm sure I haven't watched it actually in a long time. Me neither. But it's been I, a while. I and I do remember the last time I watched it, thinking like, oh, the last two. Like about two thirds of the way through, mm-hmm. it really lags. It, it yeah. dips. There's a huge dip mm-hmm. of like, okay, <laughs> I think we've seen all of the. Yeah, we've seen the decline of the band, mm-hmm. and I'm good. I don't need to see them decline any further. But right. they keep going. Uh huh. But beyond those, that dip, I I do find it to be super entertaining. Yeah, and I do think like. Getting back to that longer cut, there's some deleted scenes that are really funny. Really? Okay. Because they, that. I know they show up at a party in the movie and they all have cold sores. Oh, yeah. That's right. And That's I right. thought that was such a funny thing mm-hmm. that for no reason, <laughs> these guys all have these huge cold sores mm-hmm. in the movie. There's a deleted scene mm-hmm. that has, it's I think it's Harry Shearer's character, Derek Smalls gets like meets a girl and mm-hmm. whatever it is like they that's how it spreads okay. and it spreads through the whole band <laughs> that's perfect yeah oh so God. i guess like in a way because it's an improvised movie you just mm-hmm. have to keep the best takes sure. and some of those logic things probably like narrative logic kind of has to go out the window a little bit yeah i want to so when did you first start okay so you were playing music when did you first start doing comedy as a performance oh um seriously i was probably 17 or 18 Mm -hmm. i'd always i did a lot i did theater in high school Mm -hmm. but we were you know was always clowning around and yeah so i think i always wanted to do it and didn't know how Mm -hmm. and didn't know and then uh, i did comedy sports in madison okay and that was like i went to college but really, that was my... It was like I was going to comedy grad school at the same time as going to theater undergrad school. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was doing, you know, four or five shows a, a week. Shit. Improvising. But then during the week, taking voice classes and, you know, movement and mm-hmm. scene study. And then I was like, great, okay, got it. And then Friday and Saturday nights, I was just doing... Making making up stuff. See, that, that's the the interesting thing is too is uh, in talking to Matt the other day. It's the uh, <laughs> kind of the joy of super ego is that it's not it's not traditional quote unquote traditional or what's considered to be standard improv. You guys don't mind negating on occasion. Oh my god! You guys don't mind just saying whatever the fuck is on top of your head. The joy of that has got to be like, but how? I mean, I know you guys already talked about it on the Nerdist how you guys have to tighten it up. You're forced to tighten it up for a live show. But was the was it a relief to start doing that after following the rules on stage, or were you not? I'm, I'm maybe I'm being presumptuous saying that you're, uh, you're following improv rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I it's like everybody loves to do that. And I, I have to. a very romantic memory of you know I started in Madison in 1996, and I did you know probably worked. For them until about 2000 mm-hmm. 2001 so good you know five six years mm-hmm. of essentially every weekend doing shows so like i'm getting repetitions doing shows but also our 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 artistic director was very 
I mean, I don't know how people how familiar people are with comedy sports, but mm-hmm. it's typically just short little three to five minute short form okay. improv games. Okay. Like you're doing a scene and then you do it again and everybody's French. And then you do it again and everybody's in a Western <laughs> right. film. And you do it again and then everybody's uh, singing. Jesus Christ. And that's you know, that takes five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Our artistic director was like, if it's good, if the storytelling's good, if the character work is good, if it's funny, mm-hmm. and we haven't answered, you know, what is going on here on our stage, like, it doesn't have to end after five minutes. So, like, yeah. we were not doing comedy sports as it, as you'd see it in other places. Because okay. there, are, there are theaters all around the country that do sure. this sort of competitive improv comedy thing. And so, yeah, we were already trying to shatter the form because we thought there's more here like we can mm-hmm. we can do more so we were actually doing way longer stuff and, okay and breaking a lot of those rules that you talk about yeah pretty early on so i think i came up in a theater that's kind of an anomaly because it was like yeah we do need those rules but we also kind of don't eventually i think starting out you need them sure and you do have to get to a point where you just throw it out the window it's just i think maybe for me you get tired of hearing people, uh, ironically, you get tired of hearing people talk about it, but you get tired of people just clinging so much to it. Yeah, but you I mean, know? like, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a sports fan, football fan, hockey mm-hmm. fan, and I just, like, I don't think the LA Kings think about stick handling during a game. Sure. They just pass the puck to each other. Yeah. And it becomes second nature. And, like, football players don't think about running. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. so I think when it comes to improvising, yeah, you can think about those rules all you want to, but eventually you're going to have to play at full speed. One hopes. You would hope so, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing, too, though, about recording Super Ego is no one's there. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all there. Sure. And, you know, the minute somebody does something that's a dick move, mm-hmm. you never hear it, but, you know, we might be like, come on, like, let that was, let's do that again, because yeah. that was, this will work. Yeah. Or whatever, like, we can stop mid-recording, right? which is not a luxury you have with a live show. You can't stop and go like, sorry, audience. Mm-hmm. What I meant to say was this. But <laughs> in our live recordings at when we're, you know, when it's just us, it's very easy to sort of go like, hey, say that again, but be angry. Or yeah. just say it again because a dog barked or right. there was an audio problem. But yeah, for the most part, like those rules, we haven't really talked much about that either, though. I think it's mm-hmm. been a thing that we've sort of stumbled into sure and just found along the way yeah yeah, yeah yeah did you okay so then let's talk a little bit about doing comedy music funny music sure How, i i'm assuming that that must be a part of your life i mean um well yeah i do given the show on super ego james bladen is sort of our fifth member mm-hmm. and he is a musical genius mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff, if you've ever heard music on the show, odds are we improvised music mm-hmm. without him there, mm-hmm. brought him the audio to say, can you put music under it? Mm-hmm. Almost like retrofitting a band to stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a sketch. We're, we're coming back in September with some new episodes, and we recorded with Nico Case. Yes. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. She's super cool. And she and Jeremy without a pitch pipe or anything just riffed a bunch of songs Uh they were all really funny we took it to james we put a band behind it so that in a way it's like i'm musically 
I played pedal steel guitar on those tracks. Uh-huh. James did all of the sort of like piano and drums and all those whatever else is on there. Mm-hmm. But like really, our job is to, and more James than me, but our job is to sort of like make the connective tissue so that those rift things in the room sound like yeah. written things, but they are not at all. That's insane. Um, and then, you know, Matt, we, we made an album. Uh, it's like an outlaw country album, which mm-hmm. very en- please enjoy. Uh, that was, you know, Matt's a hell of a songwriter. Mm-hmm. It's like Matt, Jer- we're all songwriters. Like I didn't really write. I helped Jeremy with one song on that album, but uh-huh. mostly Matt will sit down and just crank out an entire song. Okay. Jeremy will riff these songs on the podcast. I mean, we're literally just throwing him a title, like a made-up title <laughs> to a country song, and then he'll just go. So and you, good. when you hear him sing those, it's it's you're just getting the best ones. Mm-hmm. But he went ahead and just was like, "Great, I wrote, I improvised a verse and a chorus. So why don't I just write another verse and a bridge, uh-huh. and then I'll have a tune." So that's how Jeremy kind of constructed those songs. So like Matt's almost like Matt's are written with like a scalpel and Jeremy's are written with a sledgehammer <laughs> in a way. And I think I find both methods to be super delightful. Sure. It's all really fun. Um, yeah. And then I also do a show at improv Olympic. I'm sorry. I O West. Right. Yes. Thank you. Do not call it Olympic. The Olympic committee gets very mad. Really? That's true. Really? That's a true story. That is stupid. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I O West in Hollywood. Uh, uh-huh. I do an improvised musical every Friday night. That's so we do like a one hour start to finish mm-hmm. long form See, impro- that hurts improvised musical. It that, hurts my brain. No, I bet. But you're actually doing it. Like the, the uh, <laughs> just the, my OCD, but it hurts my stomach to think of. I don't know how you do. But again, you have to have that kind of, that kind of skill. I'm, I'm always curious, like, see, that's the other thing is I, I wonder how many people, even if they're musically gifted and gifted in improv, if it always comes together, because like, how easy is it to do that? It's hard. It's really hard it can't to do. Be. Yeah. I always like I, the show is called Opening Night, the improvised musical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. uh, I've been doing it maybe for seven years, off and on. Okay. And uh, I always feel a little. I know it'll come. Mm-hmm. Like I trust that it'll be there, and that the like the words will come. That honestly, for me, is the hardest part. Is like the melodies are not a big deal sure. to me, <clears throat> and the we have a brilliant musical director named Michael Pollock mm-hmm. who literally wrote the book on improvising music, awesome. and then he wrote two more. Jesus, so yeah, you can get them on Amazon. It's really like if you're interested in musical improv mm-hmm. and just how to sort of like, it's almost these like stair steps of like okay, take this step up of right. like lyrically, just think like this. Okay, musically, keep it simple mm-hmm. and like these muscles will grow and you'll eventually kind of have more range lyrically, more mm-hmm. range musically as you, as you continue up this staircase. It's yeah. a terrible analogy. No, but, I know you're saying. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he, I, like his music is great. He accompanies the show live too. And mm-hmm. All, all the piano playing is improvised. So he's improvising along with us. I mean, it really is a tightrope walk for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of the only things I do that I I really before pretty much every show I'm like, all right, I got to get in the right headspace. Yeah. I got to just be ready to ready for anything, and it's it's, it's a weird skill for sure. Yeah. 
nobody's clown I'm treating you cool I'm putting you down But baby I don't intend to leave empty handed Give me some money Give me some money Oh yeah I don't know if you ever heard the story about it's his, his least popular film, but For Your Consideration, which I still like. I don't know if you've seen For Your Consideration. I enjoy it. it it's Christopher Guest? One. Yeah. His last one he did, it's not documentary style, but it's still entirely improvised. Um, I don't know that I have seen it, which is, shocks me because I generally see whatever he makes right nobody away. Nobody cared. It didn't last long. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's the saddest of them, no doubt about it, because it's about Hollywood. It's depressing. Yeah. Um, but it's really great. But uh, Ricky Gervais is in it, and he asked Ricky Gervais to be in it, assuming, well, The Office is improvised. He didn't know at the time The Office was. Ricky Gervais oh, has never right. improvised in his life. Yes. He no, which blew my mind. But I mean, the uh, but he's a big fan of Christopher Guest, not only because of his improv, but there's something to be said. I mean. Christopher Guest is English. His dad is English. So the accent's great. But Michael McKee and Harry Shearer are holding up their own the whole time, which kind of, I know it's a little detail, but, like, believable the entire time. Oh, yeah. You know? And... The... Like I said, when I first saw it, mm-hmm. it was pitched to me. Now I'm now I'm fairly confident that for the first <laughs> 20 minutes, I was like, this is a real rock and roll documentary. Because <laughs> I really did believe that these guys were... It might have taken until, like, Billy Crystal shows up or Fran Drescher shows up. Right. Where it's like, yeah, wait, yeah. that's an actor. <laughs> I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, again, just another little layer of believability, but it's one of those things where, like, I, I, I've, I'm very jealous of their accent skills. <laughs> very jealous. Because, I, I, you know, uh, but... So, all right, so we've gone over your favorite songs. Did you have any other notes you wanted to... Because I feel like I've just been interrupting you this whole time. You haven't, That's man. what I do. And it's my job. I don't know. I did write down something about every single one of these. Did you? Songs. I did. Let's do. Let's oh. let's go down the list. Right. I've got the list in front of me now. Um, and again, I will point out. I don't know if I pointed out at the beginning. This is an entirely black cover. This album. So and that you would only that, have known from the spine. That moment in the movie is fantastic mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And uh, there's a snippet on the inside from the Rocklopedia Britannicus. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ, dumbest fucking, that is so stupid, I love it. Yeah, I I will say too, like, even just seeing that, like, Mm -hmm. having never seen it before, I think Matt, Matt and I build pages on the Superego website. Yeah. And we try to write in that vein. Yeah. Like, that sort of, like, these are real people from real places, but then it just gets insane Mm -hmm. and absurd right away. But, like, even our little bios that we've written for people, (laughs) it's in that very same vein, like, that rock... What is it? The Rocklopedia Brit- Britannicus? <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. I, but that's actually another thing, too, that I brought up on when we talked about the Ruddles, is that like one of my favorite things ever is fake history. And I guess right. it's a commitment to this thing, but it's not necessarily that you're trying to convince anybody that this was real, but if they believe it for a second, that's long enough. Yes. That's satisfying, right? Yeah. Um, who came up with the idea for the, that you would all be doctors? Oh, Matt and Jeremy did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's uh. It's just one of the, it lends this fake gravitas. It still carries it through. It still it still works every time. And I don't know. I I can't. I haven't been able to figure out why that is though. I haven't either. I'll be honest with you. It's a I'm, funny joke. I might be the only one who's like, 
What do we have to be doctors? Can we just like put out funny <laughs> comedy sketches and not? But I mean, it's not like it even plays a part other than the, the the interstitial stuff. Yeah, you just need to be reminded then, and it still works. And then with the ridiculously gorgeous photos you guys just took. Oh yeah. You know, again, it's just like this is too much. This well, is... I I know when Matt and Jeremy sat down, they had just done a Channel One Hundred One project are Mm -hmm. you familiar with channel 101 yeah yeah so they did a huge like a very ambitious thing called ultra force oh yeah and they did three episodes and canceled themselves they were like we're not fucking doing this anymore it's too (laughs) much work Mm -hmm. and it really put a strain on just everything they were like i'm stressed i we're doing this for like the reward is cool because it's like you know our their peers were just like what a cool project but silently they were like this takes so much time and yeah. energy and resources, and I think we need to just take a break. And podcasting just seemed like, wait, we don't have to do any location scouting. Right. We don't have to have any video equipment. Mm-hmm. We can just talk into some mics and then tweak it. Like, and and all of us, to a man, like probably listened to some sort of audio comedy as a kid. Sure. And then had some sort of tape recorder, mm-hmm. and we made some sort of stupid, of course. you know, like, uh, I'm an old guy, just into a microphone, <laughs> mm-hmm. at like 9, 10, 11 years old. There yeah. was something really, really fun about that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a common bond that we all have. Yeah. So those two wanted to do, like, Matt was, like, podcasting, it's great. We can kind of just make a comedy album mm-hmm. and put it out, and our friends will listen to it, and that'll be that. And then initially they wanted to do a god cast they wanted to do <laughs> something called they wanted to do god cast i think because they thought it would be funny to be we'll be these fake preachers oh, and the like the the congregation will come and like that uh-huh. those will be the characters mm-hmm. but they just felt like a i think there was already a god cast okay. one of the first there was already something called that so they're like well yeah. that's out the window but then it was like well what's a what's a thing that will just encompass Everything for a while, because Matt and Jeremy lived in Long Beach at the time. Mm-hmm. They thought, well, we'll just do like a tour of Long Beach, uh-huh. where you'll meet people okay. that live in Long Beach, yeah. and then that seemed limited. Sure, yeah. Because like now, why would anybody be from anywhere else? Yeah. So then it was like, well, what that that psychology thing? The mm-hmm. like, oh, we're analyzing people's personalities. Like that right. just seemed like anything fits. Yeah. In that, we can literally do any sketch, and it'll totally work but it, it's again so that framework lately, is but. the that's the reason that that framework is there yeah yeah i'm always like eh, it's fine like let's just let's make sketches but it's somehow i don't know it's somehow it's this weird like again it kind of again it adds gravitas and i don't understand why but it's great it's maybe because subconsciously everybody is afraid of and has to trust doctors at the same time i guess i could be what you know <laughs> You know, it's like, I have to trust you, even though you could murder me. Uh, um, all right, let's do this. Let's, cool. I don't normally go track by track, but I like hey, this idea. It won't take that long. There's no, only, like, what, okay. ten tracks? We got Hellhole on side one. I don't know what order you have. I, I have it in, in the order. Okay, all right. This one, I just... The three guitar notes at the end mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are really funny to me. Because <laughs> I don't know why every mm-hmm. time I hear it, it's just... da 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 uh, Hellhole is fine. Like I, that's one that I feel like, eh, there's nothing really there. It's about yeah. living in a shitty apartment. Yeah, I think right. Or, but he, at one point he's like, the butler's gone. <laughs> so it's like, your house has fallen into disrepair. Right. I guess. I guess. See, see I don't that. love Hellhole. Okay. okay. But like musically, I like it. Sure. Lyrically, I was like, oh, it's like the joke is not 
strong enough. I guess maybe. Some of it, but that's the other thing too. Is as long as musically it's strong enough, if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, it just sounds like a rock documentary. And I do think in this movie, Hellhole is a song that's like they're playing it live, mm-hmm. and the lyrically it's not important. It's right. just like this is an it's a it is a musical a musical introduction to the band. Yeah, that totally serves the heavy metal purpose it needs to serve. Is this in order of how they appear in the film? I haven't seen the movie in long... It's been too long. It might be. Because it seems like maybe that's why they're mixed in the way they are. Uh, Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight. Love it. Unexpectedly filthy. More than I realized. I knew it was filthy, but I did not. Yeah, you're too young and I'm too well hung. (laughs) So tonight we're gonna rock it. Uh, It's really like a perfect classic rock song, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's got that driving blues feel. It's so, like... Mm-hmm. I really dig it. And it's short. Like, the other part, too, is, like, I feel like this was probably written for the film. Because mm-hmm. there was, we just need two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need a huge song, because it's not very long. Mm-hmm. None of them, none of them are. I think no. my, my buddy Brian and I, because we were in a band together. That's another part I left okay. out. The guy who kind of introduced me to this film. Mm-hmm. We were playing rock music together. So, yeah. like, you know, he he was the one who pointed out, like, their songs are only, like, Nothing's over three minutes. Yeah, yeah. With maybe the exception of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. Well. But yeah. All right. Of course. Uh, heavy Duty's next. Uh, I, honestly, this is one. Oh, right. Heavy Duty. Right, right, right. That's the super heavy bass. Right. That's the song. Took me a second. Uh, and brings out the duty in my soul. Is this one goes out? This one goes on longer than it needs to. Yes. In the film, you only. I. I believe if I'm. You know, if memory serves, I think you only see this song for like 30 seconds, but... Long enough to get that punchline, I'm assuming. It's pretty long. Is, is that... It's got a musical tip of the hat to... It's got that... Da, 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 oh, yeah. Da, 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 mm-hmm. da. So that's... That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is another one where it's just like, all right, rock song. Mm-hmm. It's got a little funny thing in it, but I think it serves the musical purpose better than the comedy purpose, for sure. <laughs> okay. But it brings out the duty in my soul. Fucking <laughs> so dumb, but it makes me laugh every. I keep laughing at it. Cups and cakes, cups and cakes. Oh, what good things mother makes. You've got to take tea, won't you take it with me? What a gay time it will be. Cups and cakes, cups and cakes Please make sure that nothing breaks The china's so dear and the treacle's so clear And I'm glad that you are here Milk and sugar, bread and jam Yes, please, sir, and thank you, man Here I am Okay, rock and roll creation. Yeah, this one I really like. I mm-hmm. love the scene in the film because mm-hmm. it's the thing with the pods. Yeah. Where they get stuck. But I also feel like this one is like them playing with a band's evolution. Mm-hmm. Like they were writing songs about how hard they rock. Yeah. And having sex. But now this one is like you know, like the science of rock almost. Right. Like they're going right. on this. I feel like it's from a concept album or something, mm-hmm. which I think actually that it, it is from the album Rock and Roll Creation in the film. Mm-hmm. 
they have that one on here? Yeah, it's yeah, the no, one that looks right. like stained glass. Fucking amazing. And I think they talk about it being a concept album, but like yeah. this song feels like that. It <laughs> musically feels differently than uh huh than the other songs. Yeah, which is really cool. Uh, America's the one that we established is not really in the film. It's not, but it's really funny. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a Black Sabbath song, mm-hmm. and it really has this funny like. These are what British guys... This is what British guys think America is like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny. Like, I, I was like, oh, it's too bad it didn't make the cut. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's... It's maybe, like, the hardest rocking song on the whole record. I think... <laughs> Afro Sheen and Apple Pie is a great line in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't hear that line earlier. God bless Johnny Appleseed. Uh-huh. That I heard. That's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Cups and Cakes is probably my favorite. Oh. Which is We weird. haven't even talked about it, and I, I love it. I fucking love that song so much. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's kind of almost... Well, uh, first thing I think is Herman's Hermits, but it doesn't sound like them, but it's maybe the thematically so There you go. Thank you. Okay, something yeah. like that. But the this one is really more than this, the movie needs. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, this yeah. is the song where they hear it on the radio in the hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the DJ goes like, from the where are they now, Ben? That's right. Isn't that where they... And this is where they kind of go into the deep history of why it was written, don't they? I think at some point. I think so. Like how they used to be the Thamesmen and yes, they used to the, be... That's right. That's... All the iterations of the band coming up. <laughs> Yeah, it's such that's such a fun device for the film, mm-hmm. and like this song, and then uh, "Flower People" and uh, "Give Me Some Money" are the three songs from a bygone era that mm-hmm. like, are as good as anything else that they are doing. Oh, yeah. currently, yeah, you can see like, oh yeah, like if they had that song come out in 1967, mm-hmm. they might have become popular, definitely. And then they had an evolution, <laughs> like the fact that they can kind of like have these pinpoints along the evolution is is uh, really cool yeah uh all right big bottom is next side two i love it it's fantastic i love that they go from rock and roll creation and talk about evolution and the big bang Mm -hmm. and all that and then they just go straight up like the looser the waistband the deeper the quicksand (laughs) and then when you just when you think it couldn't get any worse they go straight into sex farm yes right that's true yeah right into it which is just as sophomoric as it gets Uh uh-huh and then it's mixed up with Stonehenge next, which not that many lyrics actually. Looking at this, it's lyrically. Hi, Cat. Thanks for joining us. Uh, lyrically, one of the shortest songs, but again. But musically, one of the longest. Yes. And I think too, like I just imagine, like oh, we've got, we're putting our foot down and we're making this fantasy song, mm-hmm. and you could, you know, the metal community, the fictional metal community, probably rallied around it. But right. Everyone else is like, oh yeah, the. The kilt-wearing mandolin metal band, sure. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, all right, and then Give Me Some Money. Give Me Some Money. Almost, uh, really great. Yeah. Flower People, really great. Oh. I it, just think stylistically, it just it lends so much credibility to the story of this fake band. Yeah, and it would not, it definitely wouldn't have, the film wouldn't have worked if these guys weren't actually playing the instruments. I agree. Uh, and, yeah. And they're... The other thing, too, is, like, I, I didn't know until very recently that Michael McKean has this, at one point, had a sort of a side thing where he did his own comedy music, just him. Oh, yeah? Which I need to find the albums, because I'm curious, it's sort of, who were who they comparing it to? I don't know, uh, sort of Randy Newman-ish kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but, The, the yeah. whole thing, listening to this, too, has made me, there's gotta be some, if there's not a tell-all 
book or some some sort of something. <laughs> you just gave that cat the dirtiest of looks. Uh, if there is not a tell-all book of the making of this thing or the story behind this thing, right? I would pay handsome yeah money. I, handsome money is too handsome money. Is handsome money. <laughs> I would pay handsome amounts of money. I, like I would pay what a book costs <laughs> to read about the making of this thing. You, you really just downgraded the importance of that book. I'll pay what a book costs. I'll pay handsome monies first. I, well, I'd pay a reasonable amount of a money. A reasonable amount of money. Okay, that's fine. But, like, retail price. Sure, sure, sure. I won't buy it used. Naturally, yeah. But I do, the, it, 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 the whole time, I don't think we've, I've said this yet, though, like, the whole thing to me is chicken and egg. Like, did, did the music come first? Did right. they write the movie and immediately go like, well, we're going to need songs, so sure. let's do it at the same time. Right. Did they just write songs after the fact? Mm-hmm. You know, like, maybe it wouldn't be that hard to say, like, well, let's do a visual bit where Stonehenge is only four inches mm-hmm. tall or no, whatever No, no, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that because I honestly don't tall. know the history of it. I, yeah, the history of it is fascinating to me because it's such a... I just adore the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder... I like the music a lot, too, so I wonder about... How how they how they did it? Mm-hmm. I'm sure people are like right now screaming at their <laughs> at their iPhones like it's you can watch it. Everybody it's on knows. the special features. Right, right. They, there's a there's a documentary on it. <laughs> I hope if you are yelling at your iPhone, you sound exactly, exactly like, like that. that. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> first of all, thank you for doing this. My this pleasure. Has been a hell of a lot of fun. Um, people can find you at gosuperego.com. Yes. Twitter, where, what, are you just Mark McConville? I'm Mark McConville on Twitter. Easy enough. Okay. Yeah. Anything um, else people should know about? Yeah, check out the Judge John Hodgman show, which I edit. Yes. Check out, if you live in Los Angeles, opening night is every Friday at 9 o'clock at I.O. West. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. We have a we have a comedy music album, too. Yes. While there's no film attached, I do think there, it's in the vein of Spinal Tap, where mm-hmm. we really did try to write earnest outlaw country like hard driving funny songs Mm -hmm. but like yeah i just it's it in my mind there's a little nod to the spinal tap ethos of like let's make these songs as real as they can possibly sound awesome so yeah uh that's available at our website go superego.com awesome yeah i think that's it thank you for doing this my pleasure thank you guys for listening thank you guys uh, as always have a good thing on vinyl is a production of stolen dress entertainment it is produced by mike warden and is hosted and edited by jason klom our theme song was composed and performed by richard levinson please visit stolendress.com to listen to our other podcasts read our blogs read our tweets watch our videos and read our books please subscribe on itunes and if you like us give us a five-star rating and a nice review you can find us on facebook.com slash comedy on vinyl twitter at comedy on vinyl and find everything else at comedyonvinyl.com. Hey everybody, welcome uh, to Comedy on Vinyl. Again, Jason Klom here, and I'm here with Elon Paz. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for asking me to do this. Of course. Okay, so, so let's talk about Dustin Grooves a little bit, and let's talk about your book. Okay. Um, a lot of people, I mean, it, most people who listen to my podcast are not just comedy nerds, but they're vinyl nerds too. So they're big collectors, like myself, probably hoarders. I, I only buy comedy vinyl, but a lot of these people are into really? it. Yeah, but these people are into the nostalgia of... 
you know, of having a physical album in your hand. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious, what got you started on it? Uh, I think a love for music first, mm -hmm. first thing, uh, and then love for vinyl because that was you know the medium that I, you know, exposed to first. You know, sure. Uh, as I when I grew up, and then um, you know I'm, I'm a photographer by trade. I'm a professional photographer, mm -hmm. so it was just like the combinations of these things. Yeah, that, perfect. Yeah, that made me do this. I mean, and, there, and, and then there were, were you know circumstances, mm -hmm. special ones mm -hmm. that I. You know, I'm, I'm from Israel originally, and uh -huh. I grew up there, and then I moved to the States, to New York, uh, at 2008, mm -hmm. you know, in the mm -hmm. search for a better career, sure. and, you know, and try try my luck over there, but 2008, if you don't, if you don't remember, it's, um, you know, the, uh, the recession right. just started, yeah. and uh, it was the worst time to move. Of course, of course. So, um, yeah, I just found myself spending all my time and money in record stores instead of you know <laughs> being busy with work of course yeah i know exactly how that is um so uh the book is already out right yeah okay and you want to explain it i mean it's all it's in two sections right yeah so the book is basically kind of like you know gathering all of the stuff that i all the photos all, all the features that i uh gathered for the dustin grooves web website mm -hmm. from the dustin grooves uh, website which is, you know, I guess a work of maybe six years, almost six years of work. Um, almost 130 different collectors from all over the world. It's crazy. And it's divided into two. So the first part of the book is a photo section, a photo flow of um, 270 pages of just, you know, photography and captions. Mm -hmm. And then the, the second section is in the interview section, which has 10 in-depth in-depth um, interviews and two stories that's awesome yeah and that's total amazing. it's like 100 almost 420 pages that's insane I, i'm excited to to look through it um what's it like having to translate your love for something that is at least half audio uh you know some people the, the covers half the experience uh into something visual i mean is it is it just a matter of shooting the covers really well, or is there something else to it for you? There's always something else because you know, if, you know, okay, so you shoot the covers very well, and then sure. what? Sure, you know, right. That's what I'm be, thinking. Yeah, it's almost just technical. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, playing out you know, this, this the whole process of working with, on this project has been, has been you know also like a learning experience for me. Yeah, and a challenge, you know, like a creative challenge, how to keep this thing interesting you yeah. know and how to work together with the with with the, with, with, with the artwork and yeah. with with the spaces and with, with with the people like you know how how to correspond to different stuff different things and uh, um, you know at first i was only about it was it just started like really you know the, the primal thing was oh i want to see rooms filled you know overflowing with records of course right 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 that was the first thing yeah. you know? and uh, all right i got this yeah. i got it like once twice and and then and then what right how do you keep it you know interesting and yeah. fresh so but then you know it's just like it, it's basically it's a it's, it's just corresponding with with the collectors mm -hmm. listening watching and then you know coming up with great great ideas and um something that i really liked uh, doing is sleeve faces you know like mm -hmm. putting replacing your your face with a with an art al album art those are great yeah. yeah and then uh so for example in the book there the last you know the uh, the 
back the back end of the of the book mm. the end page of the book when mm -hmm. you close the book is is a, is a, is a cool mosaic of just sleeve faces really yeah oh it, yeah it's really cool um, so that's like one of those you know things that you that I use to uh, make it you know interesting yeah but also you know just like different covers have you know different appeal sure. and uh, I've, been, I've been using um, like a uh, a collage technique you know to mm -hmm. to be able to work with 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 tiny spaces sure. and, and kind of like, you know present them in a really nice way mm -hmm. and not just you know put on uh, uh, a wide angle lens sure 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 yeah. yeah so a lot of the work I have a quite That's a rough, quite a yeah. quite a few things in in the book that you know that are made by with a collage technique which is in one of the cool. videos is you putting it together this is yeah. awesome to watch this is uh, just so people know, I'm, I'm here right before your, uh, you know, your your, your book party here. Uh, but some of the videos that are some of the videos actually look amazing too. And look, I would love to see. I could probably watch you know hours and hours of people going through their vinyl. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, this looks uh, fantastic. Do you so for you as far as collecting? I mean, is there are you very picky about the quality of the cover of the sound, or do you like? Will you grab something if it's just just blows you out of the water and you definitely you yeah definitely i mean i and i said that you know that's the first line in the book mm -hmm. is my testimony i'm just a casual collector mm -hmm. like i'm not mm -hmm. a hardcore collector yeah. i don't care about you know uh vg vg plus you know yep. and you know the 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 grading of the uh of, of the record the state of the record or anything yeah. like that or i don't i don't care about expensive records as well yep. I, I, you know, I used to ask this question a while ago, mm -hmm. but I stopped. You know, like when when I interviewed the, my my collectors, like I stopped because you know it just like it doesn't matter anymore. You know, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and for me, you know, it's, I just love music and I love listening to music on vinyl and I love holding it and having it in my hand or curating my collection. And yeah. I have a small collection, but I think it's very well curated. I, yeah. I I get rid of some stuff, you know, sure, buy new stuff if mm -hmm. I don't like it. I give it away. Yeah. Um, I don't even try to like sell it. You know, just like right. because most of the stuff that I have uh, is just like cheap records. Yeah, but they're, me but, too. but they're great. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think there should there should be like a DJ night. You know, of uh, one from only you know restricted to only one one dollar bin be records. That would know? be great. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to actually just because most of mine are the same thing because com comedy's easy to get cheap and it's never in good shape. So wait, I want to ask you yeah. a question. So you are, you your collection is only comedy. Only comedy, and it's That's not that it. I, it's not that I don't. My wife has plenty of music vinyl, and I used to buy music vinyl, but in the last since I started this podcast, last three or four years, I've only bought comedy vinyl. Mm -hmm. I lost not that I've lost my interest. Like if she wants to put something on, I'm like awesome, I love. So you're onto something and. I think uh, you and I have to have um, a photo session that would be one awesome. day. That'd be amazing. That'd be so, and I could point <laughs> you in direction to some other people who have insane collections because well, mine's minimal what, too. Yeah, but that, but that's but that's the thing here. Now the stuff that I'm looking for is mm -hmm. not, I, I'm not looking for big collections anymore. Sure. Or I can know, I, 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 I'm looking for specific ones, specific, yeah. ones that are really interesting or weird, bizarre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, this kid in Philly that I shot a while back and. All he collects is Sesame Street records. What? Just Sesame Street records. That's really? It. Yeah. That's and, so uh, cool. He has everything, and he knows oh all the God. players. He knows, you know, all the collaborations, wow. the year, the production years. Okay, see, I want to interview that guy. Yeah, That's man. Amazing. He's, uh, That's he's, so he's good. a great, he's a great dude. Yeah. Wow. 
That's like, it, see, that's that's the one. Like there, there are these weird niches. Like again, co comedy can span a lot of things, including something like Sesame Street. You know, so it's 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 a little more niche. Do you do you do you have a prize of your collection, or do you just like the fact that you've got that it is eclectic and you can pull out something and maybe be shocked and yeah, surprised? Just like that. I mean, yeah. no, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, let me tell you this. Um, we were touring in in Europe mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. and I had I had a bag of records that I took with me to DJ on on the in these parties. We had three three four parties, mm -hmm. and in Israel everything went well. You know, like I DJ there, and then uh, in Paris everything went well, and then on on uh, sorry Amsterdam every, everything went well, and then from on my way from Amsterdam to Paris, mm -hmm. I lost my bag. On a train, and I don't know if I lost it or someone picked it up, and yeah, I yeah. and I forgot about it. And it was maybe twenty records. Uh -huh. They're all cheap records, sure, you know. Like sure. Pretty common, James Brown, Ohio players, but some of them were just like. But every record had, you know, a place in its, you know, yes. in in my life. You 100%. know, like all right, I got this one here, and I got this one yeah. from this one, mm -hmm. and I remember this guy, this one I I I, I picked I picked up from this record store just when I got to when I arrived to New York yeah. so every record has a visual you know also the visual element helps to remember of course yeah corresponds with with a certain part of your of your life mm -hmm. and then I lost this bag and I oh, like and I was oh, bummed for like a whole, like an entire day yeah yeah of course oh shit that Quincy Jones album uh -huh. I mean I can go and get it now like sure around the corner for sure, five bucks sure. but it was it was really I don't know like, it's just memories you yeah know? yeah and, um, oh. That's hard. But why did, why did I start telling you this? Oh, about the value of yeah, the record. Right, so right, right, yeah. I don't. I really don't care about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't either. But I've, I've met quite a few who are really obsessed about that. Oh, you sure, know, about the sure. value and you know, some people collect records and they keep them, they archive them, mm -hmm. kind of like a currency. You yeah, know? yeah, and they don't listen to them. <laughs> no, <laughs> I no which is you know, like kind of like the I, I I call it the dark side of record collecting. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I treat all mine as a surprise. Or like one day I will listen to this, even if I haven't yet. It's like I can't wait. One day I will sit down, uh -huh. take forty-five minutes, and I will. My mind will hopefully be blown. Sometimes you're disappointed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. But at least you usually have an interesting cover because it's probably what. Drew I need first. to put you in touch with uh, with my friend Noah, who mm -hmm. has um, a whole entire section in his collection about uh, hip hop novelty. Really? Yeah. It's really. Like comedy. Yeah. So you, you probably have like the, the Rodney Dangerfield. I do, I do. Right? Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't uh, want to buy it, but somebody wanted to talk about it, so I'm like, I have to buy it now to uh, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, so uh, let me let's let's wrap it up so I don't keep you too much longer. But where can people find you and the book and everything online? Okay, so everything is everything is out there online. Mm -hmm. You know, so the book is based on the on the website Dustin Grooves. Um. So yeah, DustinGrooves.com, and what else you can find on the website? So you can find videos, of course, but I try to get every collector collector to uh, submit a mix from oh, wow. the photos that, that we shot, from the records that's that we shot. Good. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. So you know, we can find you know um, mixes from Egon, from Now Again. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, so many. I mean, Victor Kiswell from France, who's uh, an amazing collector, you know, mm -hmm. collector and dealer, and so many others. Um, what else? Awesome. Full features. So we just published a um, um, uh, full feature by 
uh, the gas lamp killer uh-huh. and he has a full feature in the book but we keep it open you know like we, yeah. whatever it is, is in the book is fully um, available on the website wow. as well that's awesome yeah and you can buy the book over there that's as well so dustingrooves.com you can buy the book there we're currently back ordered meaning that we're out of stock sure uh, but we're getting another stock in a month that's so. great Oh my god! Yeah. And I mean, all the pictures that are hanging out there make def- make me really. I just I would love. I just want to flip through that whole thing. Like, and it's very similar to something I want to do at some point about comedy albums. Except I want to just concentrate on the covers because I'm not nearly the photographer you are. That stuff is just like, I, I don't know. I just I, I just love how how you're taking these very just you're just this little piece of life in these people's. Not it's not just about the collection. It's so much about oh, the experience yeah. of them. Yeah. I mean, ones. There's a few people dancing around in their cl- It's so good. It's so amazing. That's just uh, the joy of it is like just potent in each of those images. It's so good. Thank you very much. That's really nice to hear, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, and uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this mini episode. And as always, have a good thing. Yeah. All right.